God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Exodus chapter 3, verse 14. This is the Essential Bible Studies Podcast. My name is Tim Young. And my name is Frank Abel. I'd like to welcome you to the podcast. Today we're going to be talking on a very important subject with Frank here with me. I know it's one that's dear to his heart. It's about the name of God, Yahweh. And we just read from Exodus chapter 3. And anybody who's listening to the podcast, I might suggest that if you haven't read Exodus 3, it'll be a good idea to, to read it first off. And just to get the importance or the sense of this passage, and when we talk about God's name, how important it is. Because in Exodus chapter 3, we have Moses who's in the wilderness, and he's leading his flock on Mount Horeb, it's called the Mountain of God, what would be called Mount Sinai later on. And he sees a burning bush. Most people are familiar with the, the burning bush story. But as it unfolds here in Exodus chapter 3, we see in verse 3, it says, And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. You would think that any bush burning, you might draw your attention. But this seemed to be important for Moses to question this, because it says in verse 4, When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, like it was just the very act, the inquisitive act of Moses that was important for this to happen. All of a sudden, this angel of God speaks out of the bush. We've talked about this in a previous podcast about this angel that's in the bush. But when this happens, God says to him in verse 5, Do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. So we get this key indicator here that this is a very, very important circumstance, something that's way out of the ordinary that should be drawing our attention in. Like in this study, we are standing on holy ground. It's almost as if we should be taking our, our own shoes off. I've, I've, I'm, I don't have shoes on right now. I know you do, Frank. But <laughs> no, I took mine off too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did you? <laughs> but it's, it's interesting, isn't it, that this place is now holy ground, that this, this shows you how important this topic is. Well, that's even strengthened by the fact that when you put all that together and you consider that Moses would likely have walked on this ground so many times with his sheep, it was very yeah. familiar to him. So not only would he be impressed by a burn bush, or it wasn't burned, yeah. it was burning, but uh, it never seemed to be consumed, which would be strange to his eyes. But then to be told to take off his shoes, he was standing on holy ground, would be equally impressive to him. And he needed to be impressed because of what he was going to hear and uh, what he was going to discuss with this voice coming from the burning bush. Yes, and I brought out the attitude of Moses earlier that he had this inquisitive nature that was important. And it comes out in this, as God's talking to him, that he asks questions. And we, when we come down to verse 11, Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? The very thing that God was telling him to do was to go bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. He's questioning, like, who am I to do that? There's a very humble spirit here. But God says to him, verse 12, but I will be with you, 
And this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you when you have brought the people out of Egypt. You shall serve God on this mountain. And then Moses turns around with another question. You know, God loves our questions. That's one of the important things about Bible study is always coming to the Bible with questions. And Moses has some great questions. And I think this is maybe a question that Moses asked that maybe he didn't know the full importance of when he asked it. But it's in verse 13. It says, Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? So the question is, What is your name, God? Now, names are important in Scripture, right, Frank? Yes. <laughs> yeah, very important. And I think it would be important when you read the whole context of this chapter to just note in verse 12 that the angel said, certainly I will be with you. Now, that I will be becomes an important phrase later on in right. this, but that requires faith. Immediately you talk about God, you're required to have faith. Right. He's saying that this is a sign I'll give you, that when you come back with the people out of Egypt, you will serve God on this mountain. Now, for a man who's walked out there all alone so many times with his sheep, trying to find some pasture out there for them, it must have been, first of all, a little incredible to his mind that this would ever happen. Right. So there was some growth needed, and every word that you see an angel speaks, there's growth implied. You mm -hmm. need to understand this. You need to, you need to believe this. So when he comes down to say, as we introduced in verse 14, God said unto Moses, I am that I am. That probably wouldn't have made too much sense to Moses either, if it was exactly the same as the English conveys to us. If someone said to me, I am that I am, I would look at him inquisitively. Yeah. Like, what did you mean by that? I think when I read that the first time, it didn't make too much sense to me either. <laughs> Well, that's the thing about names in, in the Hebrew. They have meaning. They have import. To us, names are like labels. But in Scripture, they're, they're really important. We see the importance of the name here as well, that God has a name that he wants to be known by. And here God is giving this, this name, but we, we have a hard time understanding it, like you said. And, and Moses, I don't know, if, did he understand it? Did he realize the importance of it? Because as God goes on in verse 15, he says to Moses, Say this to the people of Israel, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. So this is God's name forever. It's a memorial name. It's to be remembered for forever. Right. So this, again, just emphasizes the importance for us to understand it in, in our lives and how it will impact our lives just as it did for Moses back then. It's kind of important to see in verse 13 here when Moses said to God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you, they will say to me, What is his name? Mm -hmm. Now, what do you think that means? Does that mean that they didn't know his name? Right. that he had many names and what name would it be? It itself poses some questions as to why Moses would ever say that. Is he relating to his experience before when he was in Egypt that the people had lost sight of God's name 
And this would be something that he'd have to teach them again and reestablish in Israel. Yeah. I think it's important to bring out here that the name is the Lord in verse 15, right? And when it's in all caps like that, if you look at your Bible, most people are not aware of this, but when the Lord is in all caps, as it is in my Bible, it's the Hebrew Yahweh, they call it a tetragrammaton. It's just four letters in the Hebrew because the original Hebrew didn't have any vowels, but it's Y-H-W-H in the English letters. So the tetragrammaton is this name of God. But in verse 14, he expresses it as a verb, and that Hebrew word there, I am, is the Hebrew verb, eya. So you can get out your strongs and you can, you can look at this. And actually, that phrase, I am who I am, that's in the ESV, I have a little marginal note. I don't know if your Bible has this, Frank, but mine has a little one beside it, and I go on the margin, and it says, or I am what I am, or I will be what I will be. So that's kind of interesting that the translators say, well, we kind of had this choice here, and we are giving you another alternate reading. One is present, I am. And one is a future tense, I will be. That's interesting, and I think it bears importance on our understanding, whether it's past or future tense. Well, it is interesting because you were reading from the ESV. Mm -hmm. I'm reading from the King James Version, and the King James Version offers nothing as an alternative to it. So that since these versions that have come out later implies that more study has been done on this, like the King James going back to 1611. Right. Yeah. And then when was the ESV came out? It's certainly a lot more recent than that. <laughs> yeah. they, they didn't have any idea what this name was to be, how it was to be pronounced. Right. So they had those four consonants, but they didn't know the vowel points to it. And uh, for a long time, we, we dealt with Jehovah. Even Christadelphians will find Jehovah in a lot of their language. But as people got to know more, they got to realize that it really should be pronounced Yahweh. Right. And uh, that's what we normally do today is we use that word Yahweh. But the tense is also a, a problem for many because, as, as you say, you will find it in the ESV as an alternative. As soon as you say, well, I'd, I'd choose that alternative— You've done it probably with some prejudice, as I do with my prejudice. <laughs> and yet you see God making points about his name in the past, in the present, and in the future. So it's not unlikely that God would do that. Yeah. But in the cases that we're looking at mainly, and very importantly, with the future tense are very significant of what God says he will do. Just a little clarification. If we say it's present tense, I am, it's interpreted to be some sort of declaration of God's existence, that I exist, yes, or I am the eternal one, those kind of things. Is that what God is really trying to say here? Or if we put it in the future tense, I will be who I will be, what is that saying, that God has a, a purpose or he has some sort of intent that he is going to fulfill in what he's doing? Well, you see, that's the characteristic of God. It's true that he's the only one that yeah. exists and that he's the one that's providing yeah, everything. There's nothing wrong with now. that view, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you can't really argue there's anything yeah. wrong with that. But but he is the only one that can speak of the future. Yeah. The only one. The gods that people have made and that they otherwise worship 
are silent about things. They can't speak, they can't hear, they can't do anything. So God holds this up. I can say things and they happen. And that's what really attracts my mind to God's name. Because God who says, I will be, I find in many cases it's, yes, he will be, and he will be manifested in a multitude as some of the, this theme breaks out into that kind of a definition. But in many cases also, it's what God will do. Mm. It's always with respect to what God has in his purpose and will happen, therefore, yeah. for us, have faith in it. Yeah. Yeah. In that regards, I can kind of see both arguments, but when you look at it, which one's the correct interpretation? To me, context is always king. Like, what is God trying to reveal to Moses? What is he revealing to us? And we can look at the way that this this verb, I am, is translated in other places. In fact, it's used in verse 12, as we already read. God said to Moses, I will be with you. Right? So it's that I will be, which is the same verb form as in verse 14, I am. So why they translate it future tense in one place and not future tense in another place, I'm, I'm not sure why. In fact, there's you can go through this verse, and I'll, I'll put a table in our show notes where this verb form is used in other places. And sometimes it is present tense, sometimes it is future tense. And really, for the most part, it's future tense. I will be your God, I will be with you, something of that nature. It's the context that dictates that. If it's present tense, really in the context, it will kind of tell you. And if it's future tense, you'll get that sense too. And I think here, because of the way it's used in verse 12, I will be, it should be in a future tense. And in the table, you'll actually see it's actually used in chapter 4 as well. And in verse 12, where God says, I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. So he's speaking to Moses again, I will be. It's almost like that phrase, I will be, that you put a blank after that. This is what God's saying he's going to do. I will be your mouth. Yes. God was going to represent himself through Moses. Moses was going to be his mouthpiece. He was going to manifest himself through Moses. So we've been talking about God manifestation, right? We've had another podcast where we talk about how angels manifest God. And now we're seeing how men whom God has called can manifest his name his character. And God says, I, I will be who I will be. And that's the emphasis to me that is in the context. Well, it's the emphasis to me as well, Tim. I, I really think that there's another major point here. In verse 16 of this third chapter, when the angel says to Moses, go gather the elders of Israel together and say unto them, the Lord or Yahweh God of your fathers, God of Abraham, of Isaac and Jacob, appeared unto me, saying, I have surely visited you, and on and on he goes. Now, that's really all you need to say if you want to go to the New Testament and see how Jesus picked that up. And I think that's uh, really interesting to go to, just briefly here, to Luke chapter 20 at verse 37. When he was dealing with the Sadducees who did not believe in the resurrection— he uses this as proof. So that's Luke 20, verse 37. Now that the dead are raised, even Moses showed at the bush when he calleth the Lord, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Mm -hmm. For he is not a God of the dead, but of the living, for all live unto him. Now, the important thing there is that he recites those words exactly. 
the Lord, which is in the expression in, in Exodus, Yahweh, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Well, you see, if you use the future tense, you can see how that would have affected the mind of those who considered it. Yahweh, the one who will be the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Well, if he will be, and they're dead, and they were dead at the time that Moses heard that, that it, it means there, there's a future work with Abraham, Isaac, yeah, and Jacob. but they have to be resurrected. They have to be they, resurrected. They have to be alive. Yeah, that's the sense, I think, the great sense of seeing God's name is in the I will, something in the future. Yeah, I will be who I will be. That includes Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob yeah. Yeah, being raised. Yeah, that's a great point. I love it. Now, I think really going back to the context in the life of Moses, trying to get the sense of the importance of the name and everything, we should go to Exodus chapter 6. And we had a conversation earlier, and we both agreed, like, this is one of the key passages. So Moses has been sent to Pharaoh. He's speaking in God's name. In fact, you actually get that at the end of chapter 5 and verse 23, where Moses says, For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people, and you have not delivered your people at all. So Moses is kind of complaining that I'm speaking your name, and it's going backwards. Things are getting worse. And this is where God responds to Moses in chapter 6. And it's a verse 2, and it says, God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. And there's that Lord in all caps again, which gives us our indicator that this phrase, God is saying, he's stating very plainly, I am Yahweh. Can't help but get those echoes back to chapter 3, where he's reminding Moses of his name. I am Yahweh. I will be. And then verse 3 says, I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, but by my name, the Lord, or Yahweh, I did not make myself known to them. Now, that's a very curious verse. So he's saying, I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob by God Almighty, and the Hebrew there is El Shaddai. But by my name Yahweh, I did not make myself known unto them. Now, you actually go back in Genesis, and there's several yeah. places where Yahweh is used. In fact, Genesis 2. Genesis, yeah. oh yeah, it starts off in Genesis 2. Mm-hmm. I think just the fact with Abraham that it was actually on his lips. You can go to chapter 15, verses 7 through 8, and Abraham actually says the name uh, Yahweh there. And it's not something that was just put in there later. He was actually saying, and in fact, in chapter 12 and verse 8, it says that Abraham called upon the name of Yahweh. So I think the key here for this passage is the word known. What does that mean to us? Like to us, the word known means like understanding, like we're familiar with it. But in the Hebrew, and there's a deeper sense to experience something. Yes, there is. Yeah, we could know of God. We could probably sit down with a piece of paper and write out the characteristics of God. But that doesn't mean to say we know him. Right. To know him would be to have experience with him. And that's why people who refuse to acknowledge God can't get to know God. Because they, they, they first of all, have to accept that God is and that he is a rewarder of people. And then you're attracted to him. And once those things are related to your life, you get to know him. But if you just go back to chapter 5, verse 2, look at what Pharaoh said when Yahweh's name was introduced. He said, Who is Yahweh that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? 
I know not Yahweh, neither will I let Israel go. Uh-huh. Now, the thing is, it may have been that Israel didn't know Yahweh either. Right. This, this was going to be an experience for the whole group to come to know God in the sense that you've just mentioned it, that yeah. you have to experience him. Yeah. And I think if, if you want me just to go down to verse 6, yeah, sure. that's really an indication of what was coming. And look at it as it relates to experience. So Moses is told by Yahweh, he says, Wherefore, say unto the children of Israel, I am Yahweh, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rid you out of their bondage, and I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgments. I will take you to me for a people. I will be to you a God. You shall know that I am Yahweh your God, which bringeth you out from under the burden of the Egyptians. And I will bring you in unto the land concerning the which I did swear to give it to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And I will give it to you for an heritage. I am Yahweh. Now, it is interesting in the light of this. Like, we didn't make this up. It's just there in the record. God starts off by saying, I am Yahweh, and he ends by saying, I am Yahweh. They're like bookends, yeah. And in between, he's telling you what he will do because that's his name. Right. Yeah. So it's it's hard to miss the idea that when you read the name Yahweh, God is trying to tell us about something he will do or remind us of something he will do or something he will be. And when those experiences were over, both Israel and and maybe even Pharaoh in yeah. his last gasp. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> was able to say that. Yeah. I know Yahweh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so either for good or for bad. Huh? Yes. Yeah. Oh, I, I love that passage because God says seven times, I will do something. Now, seven is an important number. It's, yes. It's the number of a covenant. And this is what God is saying. I'm going to establish my covenant with the children of Israel right now. But if you go through your Bible and you underline those I wills there, you'll find that there are seven of them, and they're they're each very important because they're telling us about the redemptive act of God for the children of Israel, but not just for them, but for us as well. I think this is just like a microcosm of God's full, complete redemptive act for all of mankind, as he shows us here. If you go through those again, I will bring you out from under the burden of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them. Like, we are slaves to sin. That's the analogy that we have in our lives. But God is, is calling us. He's saving us from sin. The next one is, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with, acts of, with great acts of judgment. So that's God redeeming us. He has bought us with a price for his salvation. Why? Well, that's the next one. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am Yahweh, your God. So there's that word know again, right? So we don't fully know God until we are redeemed from sin and been made his people. And the only way we can do that in our lives is by accepting that call, repenting from our sins, and being baptized into the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. That's how we enter into that relationship with God where we are his people and he is our God and we know him, and we can fully experience this act of God. But that's not it, is it? I mean, verse 8, you have two more I wills. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and I will give it to you for possession. So there is a future promise 
for the people of God, that God is going to bring them into the kingdom. And that's that's ours. That's our promise too, right? As heirs with Abraham, who we just said was going to be raised from the dead, we're going to enter into that same resurrection and into that same promise of the kingdom of God upon the earth. So there, there it is. I, th- I think that's yeah. just so powerful. And we can see that all through the Bible and and it's especially Acts 15, verse 14, where it's said there that God is taking out of the Gentiles a people for his name. So this has relevance to our life. And this yeah. is what God is still working for this purpose of I will be who I will be. Like that sense, I will be manifest in who I yeah. will be manifest. I think it's very important him for somebody who's just maybe coming to this understanding or maybe it's just awakening to uh, the fact that God has a name and what is his name and what does it mean, that God is very merciful, very understanding the way he works with us in this matter. So that it's not a matter of us going home after listening to something like this and saying, well, now I know God. You know, that's not really what it means. It means you've got to experience this somehow. And God works with us in those experiences so that for the people of Israel, in verse 6, as you read it, I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians and rid you of their bondage, was really the first thing God did. He wouldn't necessarily have expected them to have faith in him and in his name, Yahweh, at that particular time until he had done those things. But as he had showed them, he would have expected faith to grow. And then you can see how that he expected more of them. I'll take you to me for a people. All right, I've got you out of Egypt. You saw my mighty works. And as you see, God says this in other places, many other places where the prophets related to this. Like, don't you remember your history? Don't you remember that God saved you? How is this not having an effect upon your life now? So God wants us to believe him when he says what he will do based on what he has done. And if we can read the passages in Exodus in this part and in the few chapters that are very exciting reading of how God did bring them out of Egypt. Yeah and believe that we were there as witnesses. We saw it because that's the way the Word of God should be in our minds. We're like witnesses. Then we can have the faith in God's name that he expects us to have. That's where God leads us to in these things. Right. And that's a great place to segue into our next podcast because we're going to see Moses in our next podcast in Exodus 33 and 34, who he doesn't assume that he knows everything about God or that he fully understands God, and again, is, is asking questions of God to reveal himself. The next podcast is going to blossom out into more understanding about this name Yahweh when God proclaims it before Moses and reveals his character to Moses. So another very important part, our key understanding of the importance of the name Yahweh and how important it is for our life and our discipleship. Thank you very much for being here, Frank. Enjoyed the conversation as, as usual. Good, Tim. I enjoyed it too. I always enjoy this topic. It's wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Bye bye. Bye bye. If you're enjoying the podcast or have any questions, we'd love to hear from you. Go to www.essentialbiblestudies.org and fill out that contact form. 
You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Like us there and join the conversation. It's easy to share on social media so you can do your part to spread the truth about God's Word. We're also giving away free Essential Bible Study Media Kits. This is a really cool way to share the podcast with others with business cards, stickers, and bookmarks, lots of cool things. All you have to do is send us your mailing address using our website contact form or direct message us on Instagram or Facebook and then wait anxiously at the mailbox for it to arrive. Podcasts are great, but it's even better studying the Bible with friends. If you would like to join us for a live Zoom online Bible study, then go to our website at www.essentialbiblestudies.org to see the times and how to connect in. This is a Christadelphian podcast supported by the Book Road Ecclesia in beautiful Ancaster, Ontario, Canada. Until we meet again, dear friends, I pray to God that you may grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen.